When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. On ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Good show coming up for you this morning. And of course, we love your feedback and interaction. one 736 736 Very good morning to you. On the show, Sammy Edmund. The IPL auction you just heard from Meredith Gibbs in the news always fascinates me. I want to chat to Sammy about that as well as all the latest footy news around the place. Former Asada boss uh, Richard Ings is going to have his say. He's been pretty vocal on social media about the Willie Rioli situation. I reckon it's one of the biggest travesties we've seen in the AFL, but Richard may have a different take on that, as well as Shana Jack as well, the latest with her case and developments there. Richard will have his say. Cow Toomey has been some changes to the junior pathways happening, which has raised some eyebrows amongst many AFL clubs and their recruiters. No one is over it more than Cow Toomey. Looking forward to that. We'll head to the NBA. We'll speak to um, a writer for the Lakers, Trevor Lane, good friend of the show. Melbourne United CEOs, Vince Crivelli and Mark McGowan has been doing magnificent coverage of the Australian Open as we get right towards the business end. Don't forget the quiz over and under also and your calls and texts for temper a mattress like no other. 0433981116. Let's uh, launch into the show this morning with this. A lot of noise coming out of many AFL clubs, some more so than others. To hell and back, how could we forget Melbourne's ill-fated attempt to build on the hype and expectations of its long-suffering supporters with a six-part documentary on the eve of last season? It was designed to document the club's rise from the ashes in 2019 to glory in 2020. Now, the product was great. Unfortunately, the Ds stumbled to four and five after nine rounds last year, and the back part of, to hell and back, was obviously not going to eventuate. It is a cautionary tale for other clubs not to get sucked into false expectations and bold statements before a ball has even been bounced. Now, during the week, the Fox footy team put together its hype ladder ahead of the 2021 season, which is now just under a month away. They had Carlton winning the Hype Premiership, Geelong in second. The Tigers surprisingly third from the Western Bulldogs in fourth. Somehow, Port Adelaide was fifth. Now, during the week, Port Adelaide released its five-year strategic plan titled Chasing Greatness, which looks eerily similar to Richmond's plan from some years earlier. The ambition is to win three out of the next five premierships, eradicate its debt and grow to over 100,000 members, a plan which coach Ken Hinckley supported and emphatically believes his team is ready to win it all this year. Well, there's some hype. 
Carlton too, buoyed by a couple of big signings in the trade period, are confident in the future. With CEO Kane Little telling SEN in January, absolutely, we want to win a flag in the next three years. And you'll find that in our strategic plan, which we launched in 2019. We launched it to win premierships, to double our membership, to clear the $7 million in debt and a whole range of other initiatives. Part of this is put ourselves back in the position of strength, not only on the field, but equally off the field. Even cellar dwellers North Melbourne have bought into the pre-season hype. Chairman Ben Buckley said he expects his team to be competing and winning finals within just two to three years. Ben, please. There's one club, however, that's doing no talking whatsoever, and it's a club that we should be taking notice. A team that's out of sight, out of mind, and one that's letting its actions speak much louder than its words. Yesterday, young Victorian gun Hugh McCluggage turned his back on what would have been multi-million dollar offers from rival clubs to re-sign with the Lions. He joins Cam Rayner, Jared Berry, Oscar McInerney, Charlie Cameron and Harris Andrews, who have all committed long-term. I feel very fortunate that I arrived when I did. We didn't win a lot of games in the first couple of years, but inside the four walls of our footy club, I could sense something was building, said McCluggage yesterday. Joe Danaher is fit, and the Lions are silently working their way through another preseason, ready to sneak up on everyone, minus the words and minus the hype. Geelong has three new shiny toys. The Western Bulldogs got Trelaw in the number one pick. Melbourne finally got a key forward and Porter talking up a big game. But there's no pre-season documentary at the Lions. They are just ready to win, and I think we should all take notice. Is there too much hype at your club? Does it make you nervous? And which team is ready to sneak up on the competition this year? I'd love for you to talk some footy with me this morning. one three hundred seven three six seven three six, 736 736 or the text number is 0433981116. We are under a month away from round one of the AFL season. There is injury carnage left, right and centre, which we will get to that is affecting a lot of the key players this season. But I do like to take notice of the language and the words coming out of each of the 18 clubs on the eve of the season. And I reckon there's hype, there's talk, there's posturing of how they're going to go. But then there's clubs probably put Richmond into that bracket as well with with Brisbane. The club's not doing much talking at all and it's almost to the point where you take more notice of the clubs doing no talking than you do of the clubs doing a lot of talking. Lines available right now. You can join in and have your say on that. one 736 736 The AFL Bible is out. There is a copy of it right on my desk and that signals that footy is just around the corner. Which team is going to sneak up on the competition? I reckon we should all be taking a lot of notice out of Brisbane. Humor Cluggage, massive signing yesterday. Let us know your thoughts on who you are liking ahead of this season and how your team may fare. Terry's going to join us. He's going to kick us off this morning. He wants to talk about the Swannies. Terry, welcome to the captain's run, mate. Good morning. Good morning, Kane. Yes, I'm back, and I think the Swans might be back, buddy. I reckon we've been two years just rebuilding. We've got some great high draft picks for the first time in years, Last and the four and five look outstanding prospects. And I think it'll just top us up nicely. Our 20 to... Well, we're getting up to about 100, 120 games on about 
15 of these blokes and they and they all got real good potential. Whether it happens, but I reckon top eight might not be out of the question. Maybe even a bit higher if we if Lance holds up. Top eight, you reckon, Terry? So five wins from 17 games last year. Injuries left. I actually thought they were pretty impressive last year, what they did, Sydney. Pretty much in every game. Um, a couple of games that got blown away, but on the whole, highly competitive. The one question I would have for you is who kicks the goals? If, if Buddy's done a calf. Who knows how reliable he is? Reed, who knows? Hasn't been durable. Papley, yes. But he got shot down, shut down towards the back half of the year. So that would be my one question on your Swannies. Is there a name I'm missing that can kick some goals for you? Yeah, and I forgot his name. His number, number four draft pick from the West. Um, very good prospect. He got in the Logan WA McDonald. team of the year. That's him. Yeah, it looks like they, they say he's ready to go. Um, also, um, I think uh, McCartan... There's a few blokes, just another year, and uh, no, if we don't have injuries, um, we'll strengthen up, Rampy back, oh, Heaney back. You know, we, we lost a few blokes last year, and, uh, you know, Heaney in the forward line, there you go. All right, mate. Well, good on you, Tez. He reckons the Swannies could sneak up on the competition this year. The question I'm asking you is, who is there no hype around? that they're talking, but someone that we should be taking notice of a team, I reckon the Brisbane Lions. No hype from the Giants, says Paul. They could sneak up, sneak up on a few teams this year. They have the quality. They just don't have a Ruckman. Uh, one name, and spoke to him earlier on this morning on SENSA, who I thought the li- the Giants should be calling, is, is Jackson Trengo. 30 years of age, has ruck for Port Adelaide, has pinched hit in the ruck for the Western Bulldogs. So we might hear a little bit of... Jacko, when we put that question to him, has any AFL club called you and tried to get you out of retirement because there's a number of clubs that need a Ruckman? Not much talk coming out of West Coast. I would agree with that, actually. Yeah, we're not, not hearing a lot out of West Coast. Another big re-signing for the Lions you may have skipped was about a fortnight ago was the coach. Well, I didn't forget about that. Yeah, that's important for stability there. Looking forward to Essendon contending with five laughing emoji, emojis for 7th to 10 says Troy from Lakes. And it's the media that does the talking, Kane, you idiot. You can see they're talking if you go to their site. I'm not sure it's the media releasing five and three-year strategic plans stating how many premierships the clubs are going to win. That is coming firmly from the clubs, and it wasn't the media releasing to Helen back at Melbourne. It was the club who did that documentary that was an absolute disaster for them. Uh, Paul's on the line. He wants to chat about uh, another team who could sneak up on us this year. What's your thoughts, Paul? Oh, the mighty doggies, Kane. I'm, I'm sort of buoyant. I reckon that we're in the mix for top four. Mm. And, uh, bring it on. Absolutely bring it on. I'm tipping a big tip, an early tip, a dog's cat's grand final. Well, that's a, that's that's an early tip, and they'll, they'll be right up there in the, in the betting markets. Uh, Nick Del Sando, I think, said the Western Bulldogs have the best midfield in the competition now with Traor. Let's hear from their new vice captain, highly impressive Mitch Wallace. He spoke about the Josh Dunkley situation at the Dogs during the trade period. 
it was an interesting one, and obviously I'm very close with Josh as well, so it was a bit sticky there, I must be honest, for a while. Because you want to support him as a person, but you also understand some of the you know the challenges that he will face. He's definitely got the respect back from the team, but it's about, yeah, I keep saying, the proof in the pudding when the games come around. Um, he's, you know, he's, in the, he's in our best 18, and he's going to play all the time in the midfield with the other midfielders, but it's about earning that respect on, on game day. Mitch Wallace there, love the way that he goes about it. Unanimous decision for him to be the vice-captain under Marcus Bontempelli. That was announced yesterday. Great prizes to give away if you want to contribute to the show this morning, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. There is a fair bit we need to talk about. Um, the Australian Open, is it is it is it captivated you or has it been a little bit anticlimactic? Um, Craig Tiley, the tournament director, said they're going to lose $140 million, but it was really important that... The tournament went ahead. Mark McGowan's been covering it extensively for the Herald Sun, formerly of AFL.com.au. He was an absolute ripper, so we'll chat to Mark about that. Down to three in the men's Medvedev, Pass, and Novak. You would think Novak just walks up and wins the way that he's going. He's that far and away better than any other tennis player in the world. He's not funny. And he's going to win his ninth, and he's going to win his 18th, and he's going to overtake Roger and Rafa pretty shortly. That's a forecast for you. If you've got one for me, let me know. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. But how have you seen it? Have you got into the Australian Open? Would love your thoughts on that as we get right towards the finals. Of course, Osaka going to take on Brady in the final of the women's yesterday after her knocking out Serena impressively yesterday. Alex is on the line. And there's a lot of Carlton supporters that um, follow and listen along and send through their feedback, be it good or bad on this show. Alex is one of them. He joins us. Good morning to you, mate. G'day, Kane. How are you, mate? How do you see him? I'm not convinced, Kane. You know, I've been a Carlton supporter my whole life. I'm, I'm 30 now and haven't really seen much success from him whatsoever. But, um, yeah, it's the same thing. And every time you sort of let yourself believe that they're going to do something, they let you down. So... I don't know, I'm not convinced at the moment. I, I want to see some proof in the games at the start and I don't want to believe any of the hype at the moment. I just want to see it in action first and then maybe... I think I'll let myself believe finally near the end of the season that we could have made mm. finals and then they stuff yeah. that up again. So it's just... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, it's I think good. I overpaid a little bit. But some yeah, it's players, a good attitude, uh, Alex, to have, I reckon. Like, to, to, to go in as a supporter with limited expectations of your team. So, you know, you're, you almost protect yourself from being bitterly disappointed and, and to not buy into the hype. If I've still got you there, Alex, the CEO, Kane Little, said one premiership in the next three years, along with a whole host of other goals that the club wants to achieve off the field, you think a premiership in the next three years is what the Carlton fans should be expecting at a minimum? Um, expecting, I mean, it, it, it would be good to want that, but I don't think it's... Um I don't think it's possible, to be honest. I just want to see us play some good footy, get into finals, play some good finals, and then maybe talk about a flag after that. The off-field stuff I'm pretty happy with at the moment. The club seems mm. to be running really well. Um, you know, I'm a member as well, and, and the stuff that they've got off-field seems to be going pretty good, and they seem like a happy bunch of blokes. So I think they've just got to build. You, you can't go straight flat out into a final series and expect to win a flag in the next three years. I think they've got to get a bit of experience first, but see how they go, I suppose. 
Good on you, Alex. Blues fans, do you agree? Are you sick of being let down? And are you buying into the hype that is around the Carlton Footy Club with a couple of new recruits this morning? I'd love your thoughts and your feedback. Uh, Kane, Bulldogs fan here, and I'm a bit worried about the hype. Dogs fans are natural pessimists. Thank you for that. G'day, Kane. As a Pies member, I would love for us just to glide quietly under the hype radar, but there is no bloody chance of that. Every week of the year brings out something which makes me nervous and excited at the same time. Maybe given what has happened already this year, it might be head down, bum up. Cheers, mate, says EJ in Wangaratta. EJ, that's a, that's a very good point. And for any Pies fan who expects to glide under the radar with no hype whatsoever this year, uh, delusional. The Collingwood Football Club will be a team that we lead this show with at length throughout the year because of the situation they're in, what happened in the trade period, what's happened in the last couple of weeks, and also the contract status of the coach, Nathan uh, Buckley. Let's face it, Kane, people care a lot more about Carlton than what they do about Brisbane. That, well, that's my point. No one cares about Brisbane, but look out for them. I'm telling you, look out. We don't care about them. We don't hear about them. We don't see them out of sight, out of mind, but we will care about them uh, when they're playing off in the grand final this year. We'll wait and see if that happens. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. a pair of Blundstone boots up for grabs this morning and a double pass to the Diamond Stakes, the Blue Diamond Stakes, that is. For any of you that contribute to the show, we'll pluck out the best caller of the morning. The quiz is coming up as well. Great prizes to give away there. Over and under also. On the other side of this, though, I want to speak about um, Tom Brady. He's released a magnificent social media little video. It goes for about 50 seconds. And he's had the last laugh on what a number of the media personalities and what even some of his competitors and opponents have said about him throughout the year where they wrote him off. And he's gone whack. We're going to get to that next. And I've got a question for you on the back of it. It is the captain's run. It's 20 minutes past 9 o'clock on this magnificent Friday morning. Plenty of sport happening over the weekend. Would love for you to join in the show this morning. one 736 736 On ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Yes, it is. A pair of Blunston's boots and a double pass to the Blue Diamond Stakes up for grabs for the callers of the morning. It's 25 minutes past 9 o'clock. The number's one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I'm asking you which clubs we should be wary of. And by wary, I mean the clubs just silently working their way through a pre-season with a minimum of hype. So many texts coming through this morning. You are correct, Kane. The story of 2021 will be about the felines. A Lions versus Tigers grand final and the demise of Geelong. G'day, Kane. I'm a Port fan, and I hate in capital letters that Port have come out and said three flags in five years. Absolute stupidity. I admire the ambition, and I admire the vision, um, but it does, like that text says, make me a little bit nervous. Mick is in Kings Park. He wants to speak about the black and white football club, Collingwood. G'day to you, Mick. Good morning, Kane. Great to hear your voice again, mate. Thank you, mate. You too. But, mate, this is why I love your show, Kane, and I, I like to do as a journalist in general, because you, you tell it as it is, but you also have a humorous side to it as well. Now, being a Collingwood supporter, mate, they always keep you on your toes. You know, I'm pessimistic about this year. I'm upbeat, but, mate, no news is good. 
As I explained, <laughs> Collingwood, whether they're in the news or they're not in the news, they're always in the news. <laughs> That's it. And, and, and you take the good with the bad. Like, I, I actually sent... Um, I actually sent Eddie a message after he um, when he when he did stand down, and that was the point. Like it is such a challenge to be the president of that club and to do it for such a long period of time. The way that he did it, good and bad, they're always in the news, be it good or bad, and you take it, don't you? When it's good, it's great. When everyone's against you, everyone's against you, and that's what I admire about the role that he played and the Collingwood supporters like you, Mick. Get involved. Pies fans, what do you think? How will you fare this year? It's going to be very interesting, particularly, I don't know, the first six weeks of the season will will say a lot. Get involved in the show, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. like Brock has done. Hey, Brock, how do you see the Saints this year? I reckon um, Saints have the best midfield in the competition. That's a big call. Jack Steele, Brad Crouch, Jack Billings. So, how far can they go? If you've got the best midfield in the comp, it's pretty important. Um, it's a good start. What are your expectations then, Brock? Is it is it prelim oh. final? Is that what you're thinking? I, well, I don't see us missing top four. We'll get Rowan Marshall back early in the season. Best Ruckman in the comp as well. Oof. Big calls. It's a big call Friday with Brock. Best midfield in the competition, the Saints. I wouldn't have. I'd have West Coast in front of them. I'd have Geelong's midfield with Selwood, um, Duncan, Dangerfield, Smith, Higgins in front of them. Um, that'd be up there. I'd, I'd have the, the Bulldogs, as I said: McRae, Dunkley, Bont, Trelaw, Hunter, Libba. Probably have Collingwood's midfield: Side Bottom, Pendlebury, Adams ahead of them. But um, I, I like your ambition, Brock. It's big call Friday. You got a big call for us, like Brock has just said. Ron Marshall, the best ruck in the competition. The Saints, the best midfield in the competition. Give us a call. Share your big call with us. After the uh, 9.30 News headlines with Meredith Gibbs doing a fine job. And I, I must be pronouncing Zuckerberg wrong because Gibbsy hasn't made a mistake all year and she's been pronouncing it Zuckerberg. So have we... I mean, it's it's Gibbsy's world and we're living in it. Have we been pronouncing Zuckerberg wrong for all these years? It must be Zuckerberg. So that's another interesting point. But after the news headlines with that uh, legend Meredith Gibbs, we are going to speak about Tom Brady and the latest clip that he's released on social media, and he has gone whack. Now, I've put my foot in it before with big statements that have proven to be incorrect, and you do look a bit foolish. Well, Tom Brady has reminded everyone of the statements that they made about him this year in a social media video that's been viewed nearly 3 million times in 24 hours. We'll get to that on the other side of this, and I want to ask you... Who have you been wrong about and who has made you look foolish? Let's get to the news headlines with Meredith Gibbs, Zuckerberg. On you, Meredith. You know what the highlight of my week was, was seeing the um, Twitter video of Adam Sandler, who just channeled his Happy Gilmore 25 years ago. That movie was released. One of the great sports movies of all time. And I reckon the most quotable movie that I've seen. So, yeah. So many times without even doing it, you say a quote from Happy Gilmore. And Shooter McGavin's response as arguably the best movie villain of all time also was was just as good. That was the highlight of my week, seeing the byplay between Happy Gilmore and Shooter 
on TV. And then last night I switched off from Novak's semi-final because it was boring and it was clear that he was going to win without even raising a sweat. And what's on the other Channel 9 station? Happy Gilmore. So I just settled in to that and had a really good laugh. That was the highlight of my week. What was the highlight of yours? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Mick Mick joins us. Um, we're asking people, and we'll get to the reason why, who they were wrong about. Before we get to Mick, let's have a listen to what caught our attention with this because Tom Brady released this video on Twitter and he's just gone whack at the media. He's a week away from the arthritis, baby. Give it to him. Tom Brady has not been good this year. Tom Brady is just about done. He is going to fall off a cliff. At this age, I don't think he's capable of doing what some of the other guys on that list are doing. Tom Brady is an old ass man. His time is over. He's 42 years old and he kind of looks like it this year. It doesn't feel like Tom Brady is out of here. Unless you believe that he is somehow superhuman, it's a much safer bet to imagine that he is going to fall off the cliff. Coyote style. Beep, beep, Well, he had the last laugh with his seventh Super Bowl. I've done it. Have you done it? Who have you written off that has made you look foolish? Mick is in Clyde Park. Mick, who were you wrong about? Oh, it has to be Dimmer as a Tiger man. <laughs> Mate, mm. I was pulling my hair out in 2016 and I was on the bandwagon, let's go, let's go. And then to turn around in 2017 and here we are being called arrogant, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm loving it. And, yes, Dimmer, I owe you dinner, breakfast, and whatever else you would like, and a couple of drinks on top of that. So, yep, I put my hand up for that, definitely. Good on you, Mick. And you would not be alone. I think um, of the hundreds of thousands of Richmond supporters out there, if they would answer honestly who thought, Damien Hardwick's time was up at the end of 2016, I reckon the majority would have to put their hand up with that. I did it, and it relates to Richmond. I said that they shouldn't be um, going after Dion Prestia because they weren't in the premiership window. Well, three premierships in four years and a best and fairest in a premiership year for that man, Dion Prestia, a bit, a bit of egg on my face. I did it recently, and I said... Collingwood were going to fly over to, to Perth in that elimination final and just make up the numbers, and yeah, that didn't that didn't go too well for me. Have you done it? One three hundred seven three six seven three six. G'day, Kane. Isn't Tom Brady's post part of what is wrong with the world and the US and social media? I believe a champion, which he is, should be humble, not having a crack at it. Everyone causing more antagonism and retaliation. Says Craney. I, I, I don't mind it. I think there's a you know I think there's a bit of well there's definitely a healthy ego there and and. So there should be as one of the best athletes that we have ever seen. Now, I thought he bit his tongue exceptionally well throughout the year for all the, the coverage of his form and how he polarises fans and the media. And the way that he's done it, he just captioned the tweet saying, I love sports talkback and released that video. Yes, there's a bit of arrogance about it, but I kind of like it. And I kind of think if you're going to have a strong opinion in the media you got to be prepared for it to come back and get you from time to time, which it clearly does. Uh, Brock is on the road. Hey, Brock, uh, were you wrong about someone? Yeah, I reckon everyone was too, minus Labuschagne. When he first came in the test side, he was averaging, I think, 
28 or 30 in shield and everyone was making jokes about how we grew up watching Ricky Ponting bat at three and now we've got Marnus and I think he was still only averaging 20 after five or six tests and now he's uh, averaging 70 and probably the best bat we've got. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I can't remember my first thoughts of Marnus when he first came in, but... He's an interesting cat, isn't he? He's an he's an interesting one, Marnus. I I'm not quite sure where I sit with him. It's just because of his quirky nature, it kind of irritates me that he's trying to imitate Steve Smith a little bit. But then he keeps making runs and um, potentially a future captain of his country. Hey, good one, Brock. Who were you wrong about? Let us know one three hundred seven three six seven three six. What about Geelong? Commentators have been. This is a text coming from John. Commentators have been talking about the demise since 2012. You may well be right eventually, but do you hold no faith in the younger players or the recruiting staff that have proved them wrong for so long? That's an excellent text from John because every year I sit down at about this time, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do it this year. I'm not going to. Well, I probably will, but I don't want to pick my top eight. There's nothing to gain. Like you, you pick your top eight. Firstly, you never get it right. Secondly, if you do get it pretty accurate, no one goes back and says, oh, did you see Kane Corns' top eight from six months ago? Geez, he was accurate. The only thing that can happen is someone takes a screenshot of it and makes you look foolish if you get it wrong. But I digress because every time I do it, I think, well, where am I going to put Geelong? Surely they fall off a cliff this year. Surely, with their age demographic, they fall off a cliff and they drop away. In fact, Chris Scott spoke on the AFL podcast, should have the name of it in front, but they sit down with every AFL coach and have a chat ahead of the season. Chris Scott sat down with Mitch Cleary and he spoke about just that, the age demographic of their list. Yeah, again, I don't want to be too expansive in explaining our reasons um, for targeting certain players because I suspect, at least from the outside, there's a little bit of a misunderstanding around the, the new environment, what free agency has meant, um, what managing your TPP means. You know, the old paradigm was uh, you could either trade for the now or you could invest in the future through the draft. And clearly now it's a hybrid. There's a strong argument that young players uh, moving clubs via a trade on long-term contracts on big money for the greatest risks of all. Um, so I've probably given you a little bit of a clue there um, to our thinking, but we're very, very comfortable that we have um, the core group of our, our team who are in their prime. Um, so I think uh, having too many good players in their prime um, is a pretty good problem to have. Um, so the, the obvious next part to your question and insinuation is what does it mean for the future and, and succession? We're, we're very comfortable there as well and... Um, this is a very, very um, thoughtful process that some really good footy people um, are charged with at our club. So Stephen Wells leads that. Andrew Mackey has been a fantastic resource for us there. You know, people like Brian Cook, Simon Lloyd, you know, I'm involved, our assistant coaches. Um, crunch the data. It's one of the few areas where there is a lot of internal information that's not spread too far and wide. But suffice to say, we're very, very comfortable in our process. That is the Your Coach podcast. It's an AFL media production, the latest on Geelong and where the coach sees what some are criticising is the age demographic with Higgins and Smith and Cameron coming in closer to 30 than they are closer to 25. Uh, text coming through thick and fast this morning. Volcano, 
Watching a Monday night St Kilda match in 2013, I made a statement to former Richmond man uh, Doug Vickers that Dusty would never, ever live up to his hype. I wasn't right, says Tim. I was wrong about Christian Petrarca. Pretty much wrote him off after 2019. I'm glad to be proven wrong, however, says Brad. Another one saying that he was wrong about Liam Jones at Carlton. And once again, wouldn't be the first Carlton fan to probably be wrong about Liam Jones. Uh, Daniel's on the line. He wants to speak about that club. Geelong, welcome to the captain's run, Daniel. Uh, g'day, Kane. How are you, mate? Good, buddy. Uh, by the way, just want to say I love your show, mate. So uh, Thank that's you. why I'm calling in. Um, Good I just man. want to elaborate a bit about what people say about Geelong because I'm an avid Geelong supporter and member grown up, born and bred Geelong. So there may be a bit of bias here, but just want to elaborate what people say about Geelong falling off the cliff. So since 2004, they have only missed the finals twice. Remarkable. Right? So that they've always been up there, always competing. But one thing that people don't put a lot of um, weight on, I suppose, because people value success in different ways. So no matter what happens, it's always the Premier's that are always talked about. And it doesn't matter mm-hmm. where you finish during the season. But what a lot of people don't know is that for thir- three decades in a row, which was 1990 to 99, 2000 to 2009, and 2010 to 2019, Geelong, across three decades, has had the highest win percentage across the home and away seasons and finals. Yeah, so, and it's a, the, the point that you make is... Um, intrinsic with the culture of AFL that we only celebrate the Premier. Now, if Geelong were an NFL team in America where they celebrate not who wins the Super Bowl, they almost celebrate winning seasons and coaches and quarterbacks and, and players are judged on more winning seasons rather than winning finals and winning Super Bowls, uh, Geelong would <laughs> would be recognised a lot more than what they are. So, um, unfortunately, their recent finals record and just explained to us is as good as any. So, Daniel, appreciate your thoughts, mate. If you want to join in and have your say, I'm asking you this morning which team may just sneak up on us, one that perhaps is not a lot of hype around. I think what Brisbane have been able to build in a short space of time, I'm talking five, six years when there was a massive player exodus to where they are now, is frightening for the rest of the competition and some others doing a perhaps a bit too much talking at this time of the year. It's the captain's run. You can send us a text. You can call us. We'll get to Damien on the other side of this. Get involved. Great prizes up for grabs. one 736 736 On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. As always, taking your calls right through until 12 o'clock. It's currently 12 minutes to 10. If you're just joining us, big show coming up. Sam Edmund, former Asada boss Richard Ings. What the hell is going on with Willie Rioli? We'll find out Richard's view on that from someone who has been in and amongst these types of decisions. Kautumi from afl.com.au has been taking a close look at a number of clubs' internal scrimmages. So we'll get a report from him, we're going to head to uh, the US to speak to Lakers writer, good friend of the show, Trevor Lane, Melbourne United CEO, Vince Crivelli, and Mark McGowan doing a great job covering the Australian Open towards the business end. The quiz and over and under coming up very, very shortly. 
On the line now, though, we have Johnny, who wants to speak about a team that's um, quietly moving through their pre-season with a minimum of fuss, the Brisbane Lions. Welcome to you, John. G'day, Kane. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a person who does care a great deal about the Lions, but I just, I'm pumped for this year. And uh, my bold prediction is that the All-Australian will finally pick a winger, a genuine winger, will make the All-Australian team this year. My bold prediction. And that will be? Hugh McGluggage, mate. He's going to have a yeah. big, big year. And he will be a genuine winger and he'll make the All-Australian this year. He's been knocking the door down. They can't ignore him for this long. This time he's on. Yeah. Um, goal-kicking midfielder, Hugh McCluggage, and just getting better and better. Uh, I did see um, our guys at SEN online were asking if Hugh McCluggage was playing for a Victorian team, would there be more hype and would there'd be more buzz around him, and I think the answer to that is yes. Good on you, John. He's a big Lions man, feeling confident about the season. I was asking you which clubs do you think may sneak up on the competition this year? Um, and we're also asking you who you were wrong about. Uh, I've got another. So there's a few coming through on Liam Jones and a few um, people sending texts through of who they were wrong about. Another one I was wrong about was Andrew McGrath from from Essendon. I was, I was watching him, you know, expecting massive things, first pick in the draft, you know, just going okay across half back and uh, having a reasonable impact but not setting the world on fire. I was like, is, is the hype around this guy real? Uh, but then he's moved into the midfield and I was completely wrong about him. I think he's a gun. So he is, you watch him play clean below his knees, good speed, uh, good agility, evasive, gets out of traffic and a high metres game player. So I was wrong about Andrew McGrath, Essendon fans. Happy to put my hand up about that. Really enjoyed him watch watching him play for the last season or two. On the back of Tom Brady's video where he's just gone whack at a number of talkback hosts for comments that they made about him this year, saying that he's old and he's got arthritis and he's about to fall off a cliff. Who were you wrong about? We'd love for you to get involved. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 The highlight of my week, as I said, was Happy Gilmore. Is it the best sports movie of all time? If it's not, what is? 0433981116. It was on TV last night for probably the 101st time, and I still watched it. Turned off Novak, watched Happy Gilmore to have a listen to a little bit of this type of gold. Just stay out of my way, or you'll pay. Listen to what I say. How about I just go eat some hay? I can make things out of clay and lay by the bay. I just may. What do you say? I don't know why I find it so funny, but I do. Um, Let us know your favourite sports movie. That is a sports movie. It's a a mixture of um, an ice hockey slash golf movie, and it's just magnificent. They do not make movies like that. Again, what was the highlight of your week? Have you got a bold prediction for us? We had Brock give us a call and say that the Saints have got the best midfield in the comp, and they've also got the best ruckman in the comp. That was a bold prediction for your Friday let us know and get involved. Lines available right now. A pair of Blundstone boots available and a double pass to the Blue Diamond Stakes. Big show coming up. You are listening to the Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Perhaps we might get to over and under on the other side of this. Sir, um, could I trouble you for a glass of warm milk? It helps put me to sleep. You could trouble me for a warm glass of shut the hell up. Now you will go to sleep or I will put you to sleep. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. Oh! Oh, there's Dad. 
tap it in. Just tap it in. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap a room. Yeah, feeling old this week, 25 years since one of the great sport movies, Happy Gilmore, was released in Adam Sandler's work and Shooter McGavin's on social media was the highlight of my week. I'm asking for yours. Paul is in Croydon. Paul, were you wrong about someone? Yeah, morning, Kane. I was wrong about uh, James Hurd when he started. When he was running out in the number five as an Essence supporter, I was like, who is this? skinny, pretty boy, blonde, running around in TD's number. He's not good enough to clean his boots. I may have been a tad wrong. Good on you, Paul. Appreciate you putting your hand up, mate, and admitting it. That's what we're doing this morning on the back of Tom Brady's social media clip, having a crack at Sports Talkback. And Andy's on the road. Andy, you got a bold prediction? Hey, Kane. Um, yeah, before my bold prediction, loving the, the Brisbane Lions mini hype that you're presenting today, which is good. Um, yep. But um, no, I reckon you were right about McGrath in the first place. I reckon he does a uh, uh, a lot of under 18s type footy, but the uh, the end result's not there. He didn't kick a goal last year from nearly 400 touches, and he had three goal assists. So if he had such a great year, you got to compare that to other midfielders that get in 400 touches. For example, McCluggage kicked 14 goals, 25 or something like that. I finished top five in the AFL for goal assists. It went two picks later. I don't know. McGrath just seems to run around like a headless chook. But that's just me. So I could be wrong. That's okay. But my yeah, I, think he's, I think he's improved. Quickly, mate, you got 20 seconds to get it to me. All right. Carlton top six. Carlton top six is Andy's on the road. Bold prediction. Plenty coming up after the 10 o'clock news with Meredith Gibbs. Heaps of guests. Your calls. A quiz over and under. Three minutes past 10 o'clock. It's a very good morning if you're just tuning in to us this morning. Busy first hour. So many texts coming through on the temper text. Heaps of calls as well and so much time to do that through until 12 o'clock today if you would like to. I'm asking you what you got wrong, which prediction turned out to be a shocker. I got Glenn Archer wrong after I dropped after he dropped the chest mark with nobody within 30 metres of him, then picked it up and shank the kick out on the full. I yelled out, get the fat kid off. Hmm, how'd that go for me? Uh, Caddyshack is a great movie, Kane. Bill Murray's commentary of himself for the win for the imaginary championship is priceless. It's in the hole, says Jeff in Glen Waverley. So I'm also asking you about your favourite sports movie. 25 years since Happy Gilmore was released, making me feel old. The first time I saw it, I was in year nine. It was the best thing I've ever seen, and it still holds up to this day. It was on last night, and I watched it. What was the highlight of your week? And also, which team should we be a little bit nervous about? And a team that's perhaps not doing much talking, no hype around them, but is ready to sneak up on everyone. My prediction is that Brisbane could just do that. Big show coming up. Great guests, good prizes, the quiz, and over and under very, very shortly. Sammy Edmund. He's our chief sports reporter on SEN. He stopped by this morning to have a chat. Sammy, welcome. Kane, love the show this morning. I've got to say, I can't believe it's 25 years since oh Happy Gilmore, but I'm a quarter of a century, if you don't mind. But I, I'm loving the trips down memory lane, one of the great films. Do you, so you love it as much as me? Oh, absolutely. I reckon that with the water boy, it's right at the absolute top of sporting <laughs> films out there. But I can't go past. It's 25 25- 
25 years since Happy Gilmore, but 25 years, Kane, of course, since this famous scene at the Pepsi Pro-Am. <laughs> then as bad at hockey as you are at golf. All right, let's go. Oh! You like that, old man? You want a piece of me? I don't want a piece of you. I want the whole thing. Oh! Just classic comedy, Kano. <laughs> Bob Barker. I love the, uh, it. Price is, price, is right, price is right or Price is wrong, as Happy says. Uh, <laughs> amazing scenes. Another good sports movie. If you haven't seen it. It's a bit old now, but Rudy is a great scene. Rudy. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be on my podium. But let's talk some real sport. Yeah. What about the IPL last night? A couple of Aussies getting rich, including Glenn Maxwell. I'm fascinated by the IPL auction. It's changed a lot of lives, Saint Kane, since its inception in 2007. As you say, it was held overnight. So eight franchises, $14 million to spend, if you don't mind, on a maximum squad of 25. 292 players nominated for the sale, which was separated into roles with batsmen, all-rounders, keepers, fast bowlers and spinners, all going under the hammer separately. Now, when it comes to lives being changed, you can now add Jai Richardson to that mm-hmm. list. The WA Quick Cane fetching $2.48 million from the Punjab Kings is a fair story, isn't he, Richardson? I mean, considered too short to be a pace bowler back in the day. He's been in and around the Aussie ODI squad for a few years. Has come back recently from a nasty shoulder dislocation and he's fresh off a, a big bash leading 29 wickets for the Perth Scorchers and now he gets nearly $2.5 million for, for what? A two-month tournament at the most. Yeah, it's it's nuts, and uh, I mean, there's some others in there as well. I must admit, Riley Meredith isn't a household name, Sammy, but he's fetched 1.42 million, which is massive money. He had a reserve price cane of just seventy thousand, which yeah. is right down the bottom end. It was a Kings Eleven Punjab that took him, of course, from the Hurricanes. He had a great season in the Big Bash, Riley Meredith, but he's caught the attention over there. But they all. Um, paled in comparison when it comes to their countryman, Glenn Maxwell, who has just pocketed $2.52 million from the Virat Kohli Captain Royal Challengers, and they're coached by Simon Kadich as well. So since this is his ninth IPL season, uh, Glenn Maxwell, he has made a mint. $11.2 million he's taken out of this two-month competition in the last nine tournaments, Kate. Handy. Uh, so they're the players, some others. Nathan Cook and I got picked up for a good price. Dan Christian's going to get paid well, as is Moses Enrique. Steve Smith, you've heard in the news, he had a, a, a big price drop, but it's not going to affect Steve. I don't think he's short of a dollar. The ones that missed out, I reckon there's a, a couple of obvious ones. And from a bias point of view, I thought Alex Carey was very unlucky to miss out. Yeah, he did some good uh, good work in your part of the world this season yeah. in, the, in the Big Bash, no doubt about that. What about another Alex, Alex Hales? I can't believe he didn't get any love. He took the Big Bash to the cleaners all year. Some of the cleanest big hitting you've seen in the Big Bash. He didn't get any love. Marnus Labashane didn't get picked up. Mm. Aaron Finch had a shocker, we know, but still uh, Australian captain. He didn't get picked up as well. And another man who had a really good BBL campaign, I thought, for the Scorchers with Jason Roy. He didn't get any love either. There you have it. You can have your say on any of that and join in with Sammy and myself, one 736 736 Happy to take a call or two. Let's talk some footy. I don't know if it's just whether it's more publicised, but it seems to be absolute carnage with the injuries this pre-season. A lot of clubs affected 
badly and a horrific one for, for Benny Patton at the Saints yesterday. Shocking, absolutely shocking, Kane. A, a double leg break, tip and fib, but just the worst kind. And you know it's bad when the ambulance is called mm. and you know it's bad when it takes the medicos a long time to get a player off the field with a broken leg, which was the case with Ben Patton. In fact, he remained at the club for some three quarters of an hour before being transported to hospital. And that's sickening enough. But how would Jared Ruffhead be feeling? Uh, he was the man who laid the tackle. He can still move big rough. If you've seen the vision, he hunts Benny Patton down in the back pocket and tackles him, and the legs just got caught underneath. Totally blameless Jared Ruffhead, but you know he'd be feeling it uh, this morning and last night. So they've had a shocking run of it. They had a great run with injury, didn't they, last year at the Saints? But now Rowan Marshall, we're, we're told not that bad. They've got it early, but still, he's a ruckman with a hot spot in his foot. That serious. Zach Jones has got some issues as well. They're being softly, softly with Brad Crouch. Now Ben Patton as well. Paddy Ryder coming back potentially mm. just in the nick of time. He was supposed to take part in that match him yesterday. He didn't, but he's coming back from hamstring tendon surgery. So that's serious as well, but we're led to believe he's tracking well. But, geez, this is the time, isn't it, Kane? Any injury from here on um, is almost the Bermuda Triangle, isn't it? You don't want to get hurt here because you're going to miss some, some footy when it counts most. Yeah, I think it's the most dangerous time for a player. Ground seems to be a little bit harder. A lot of uh, knee issues happen in the pre-season games where players are just acclimatising and that ground's just a little bit harder. So, it is the nervous time through the next two or three weeks as games start to ramp up in intensity. Do Carlton have a best and fairest winner from last year yet? Can you believe this, Kane? The Blues are six days away from a practice match against Essendon at Icon <laughs> Park. Crazy. They'll hold their BNF tonight, finally. What is you, going on? It has been a fair process. You reckon the Willy Rioli delay has gone on? This has been oh. a fair process to get here. So while every club went ahead with their counts online, the Blues delayed theirs because of COVID, because they wanted a crowd to properly farewell their two club greats, Kate Simpson and Matty Cruiser, who'd retired, obviously. Now, there were only days off having 700 people at Crown Palladium when the snap lockdown hit Melbourne, of course. So that forced another delay. Finally, they've surrendered. It's being held online this afternoon. Only players and football staff at the count at the club. Four o'clock. I think Jacob Wiedering would be the favourite there to, to win the best and fairest, Kane. Yeah, I think Sam Walsh might win it. And uh, my Twitter timeline will light up the moment oh, he's crowned. Is that a getting it wrong? Is that a getting it wrong nomination for you? No. Not yet. No, 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 not at all. I'm on record as saying Sam Walsh should be a multiple best and fairest winner, multiple All Australian. I just think Connor Rosie will be better, and time will tell. Whether I thought I'm right. Or I wrong thought on that one. I thought your phrase was he, he wasn't quite damaging enough. Yeah, I, I don't think he's as damaging as some others. Mm. Um, I don't think he's a match winner. It w was probably the words that I used which caught everyone's attention. But as I said, time will tell, Sammy. Uh, what about this uh, toing and froing between the AFL and the Tasmanian government about their wish and desire and demand to have an AFL team? That's reaching a milestone today or a deadline? Well, we're told it is, Kane. The AFL said they'll respond by the end of this week and that's what the Tasmanian government are expecting and that response, of course, coming to the Premier down there, Peter Gutwin's ultimatum, give us a timeline for our own team before we renegotiate or even thinking of renegotiating the new deals beyond this year with Hawthorne and North Melbourne. So the question, what will the AFL say? What will Tasmania accept, Kane? Will they even renegotiate with the Hawks and, and the Roos? Will it be a different model involving another club like St Kilda who are keen? I mean, there's a lot to play out here and it's going to be fascinating the language and how far the AFL are prepared to go and then what Tasmania will accept. It will be. It will be. The negotiation between this will be fascinating. I love what Tassie are doing as well and, and really 
putting you know the fork in the road moment where this is it. Uh, I love that because they do deserve a team. I think we would all agree on that. Hey, what about the crowds coming back? We've oh. seen it at the Australian Open yesterday, seven and a half thousand, fifty percent capacity. What does it mean for the NBL, um, also the A League and the AFLW? Yeah, we're coming back online, aren't we? So the NBL Cup tips off tomorrow. Okay, and the NBL are welcoming, welcoming Victoria fans back with ten dollar tickets, which is fantastic value. Of course, we've got nine teams, eighteen double headers down here at John Kane Arena in Melbourne, and the State Basketball Centre as well. So basketball, for one ticket, $10, total prize money in that competition, $300,000, of course. And we're back online in the A-League as well. Western United have permission for 4000 to watch the game against MacArthur FC and Ballarat tomorrow. It's sending like Melbourne victory might be able to fill Amy Park to 50% capacity on, on Sunday there. And then tickets on sale also for AFLW games this weekend. While the Melbourne Racing Club has got approval now for 9,000 racegoers spread across three zones, mind you, for the Blue Diamond Stakes tomorrow, Kane. And there's a big announcement today at Melbourne Storm. They're going to announce their new captain. Oh, I'm assuming it's a new captain. or we'll have a heck of a story if they will Cameron mm. Smith back out. But it'll be a new skipper there at the Storm <laughs> and the new CEO and Justin Rodsky as well. And just news overnight, if you missed it, the Storm have also moved their 2021 trial match to Albury after the Newcastle Knights uh, said they would not be travelling to Victoria as scheduled later this month. Of course, that was due to take place at Casey Fields as is custom. Well, that is comprehensive, mate. Not sure we missed anything in that. Loving your work, and we'll probably speak to you and hear from you next week. Can't wait, can't. Sammy Edmonds, the chief sports reporter on SEN. If you've got anything um, that we missed or you want to have a, your say on any of that, let us know, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. And don't forget, SEN is your home of this um, the, the inaugural NBL Cup as well. So this is going to be great. Um, they have committed to the broadcast rights of the NBL. You'll hear it live on SEN, the SEN app in all parts of the country as well, if you are an NBL fan. On the other side of this, we're going to speak to Richard Ings, who um, has worked at Asada before, and I've been wondering what the hell is going on with Willy Rioli and why it has taken... How many days is it? I reckon it's about 550 days since he last played an AFL game. It seems comical to me. I think Richard might have a different take on what the hold-up and why the hold-up is there. We'll find out from him next. You're listening to The Captain's Run with Kane Corns back very shortly. Yeah, very shortly we're going to speak to Richard Ings, who's a former CEO of Asada. He held that position from 2005 to 2012. And the Sports Integrity Australia released a statement yesterday via their CEO, David Sharp, which has some interesting comments and they're trying to explain why it's taken so long for Willy Rioli to have a finding handed down. It's been um, a producer from SEN, Joel Brooks, just text me, it has been 533 days since Willy Rioli last played a game. Is Richard ready, Benny? We got him up. Can we get him on the line? He's ready to go. He joins us. Richard Ings, the former CEO of Australia, Asada joins us. G'day to you, Richard. G'day, Kane. How you doing, mate? Well, I'm good. I'm I'm wrapped to have you on because I've been sitting back and I've been, uh, well, this isn't fair. This isn't right. You've got a young man in the middle of his career who's made a, a shocking mistake, but it's been 533 days since he's last played and we are still no clearer on what his sanction and what his punishment will be. Now, for those that missed it, the Sports Integrity Australia CEO released this statement, which in part says cases can be incredibly complex and it's imperative that the proper procedures are followed in reaching any resolution. He also went on to say the length of time taken for any particular anti-doping case to reach its conclusion is dependent on a wide variety of factors. 
Richard, I know this caught your attention and you tweeted. Can, can you explain what you think this statement is referencing? Well, firstly, it's very good of David Sharps and Sport Integrity Australia to come out and uh, give us some information. That's, uh, that's really, really welcome. And look, these matters can take a long time. We must remember this is still at the AFL tribunal stage. This hasn't even got to any elements of an appeal stages yet. So it's a complicated case and it has been dragging on for quite some time. Why? Why? What are they waiting for? Like, what? Can you explain to us how it can take so long? It's frustrating for for all that follow it and that don't have the insight that you do. Yeah. Look, normally these matters can be handled fairly quickly unless one party or both parties require additional time to produce or respond to their evidence. And looking at the history of this matter with, you know, what was alleged in the media that Willie Rioli did and, and, and took, um, the, the onus is really on, on Mr Rioli and his team to explain why uh, the AFL and Sport Integrity Australia have a, have a pretty strong case and it will be up to him to provide evidence. So I would suggest that the delays are more on the player's side in providing an explanation to exactly what happened. Okay, so the types of things that they would require more information. Now, just on the surface of it, tampering with a sample, we know that's treated like a a positive test, but also the findings in the sample as well. Isn't that that there for for everyone to see? Like, what further information do you think they would require? Do Do you think it's up to him to provide an explanation as to why he acted the way that he did? Yeah, look, look. He's been charged. He's been charged with various offences, which which carry you know a maximum of a four-year ban, mm-hmm. and that's what will be imposed unless Willie Rioli and his legal team can provide uh, evidence and explanation as to why there are mitigating circumstances. So, in this type of matter, this this sort of complex matter, it really is totally in the hands of the player to come forward and explain exactly what he did, why he did it, and what his motivations were or weren't for what happened. Is there any precedent where an athlete has been found guilty of a, a offence such as this that hasn't been given the full four-year maximum um, punishment? And is that what we're seeing here? Is, is the most likely scenario that Willie is banned for four years? Well, it's, it's very difficult to say because we don't know all the information. But suffice to say that the tampering side of the allegation is much, much more serious than the substance side of the situation. The, the substance involved, um, if there's an explanation behind it, um, can can incur a significantly reduced ban. But the tampering aspect of it is, is probably the most serious part of this allegation. As we move on, um, because, you know, we're still no clearer of, of what this came about, just, just finally, when you are processing a case like this, is there a time frame where, which you're trying to get it wrapped up by or you're just saying that, that that is impossible because you think one side is holding things up? Well, look, you're always trying to get these sort of cases done as expeditiously as possible. But if a player is seeking additional time to, to provide a robust defence to the allegation, then, then the AFL and Sport Integrity Australia will give them that opportunity. That's, a, that's only fair. Um, we also need to remember that there's no restriction on Willie Rioli and his team coming forward to give us all the information of exactly what they're doing, where they're up to, what the delays are, what the procedures are. This, the, the privacy applies to Sport Integrity and AFL, but Willie can say anything and anything that he wants to say.
We'll wait and see how this one plays out. Highly frustrating for all involved, no doubt. The other one that, that caught our attention, I know you saw it because you, you tweeted on uh, social media, Shana Jack, the Australian swimming um, athlete that was found guilty of a performance-enhancing breach as well, is asking the public to help her um, raise funds for her legal fight. Uh, you don't think she's going to have much luck with this? Well, it's it's a very very difficult thing, isn't it? She's clearly spent a lot of money on her on her first case. She felt that she'd done very well in getting a two year ban, and now Sport Integrity Australia appealing. Um, this can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars for an adequate defence. And look, she's entitled to reach out to try and get some help. Um, but um, let, let's see how the public respond. Mm. Richard, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, Kane. Richard Ings is the former CEO of Asada. Tr trying to shed some light on it from the other perspective because, you know, I've been highly critical of Asada for the delays and I know a lot of you out there have been as well and we're thinking of a young man who's in the, the prime of his career still waiting around, twiddling his thumbs, waiting for um, the punishment to be handed down after 533 days. But Richard's saying, well, perhaps it's on the Rioli side, perhaps the hold-up, we need to be directing our frustration to the Rioli side. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 You can have your say on that. This morning, we've also have a, a bit of fun this morning, as we do from time to time on a Friday. It was 25 years uh, since Happy Gilmore was released and loved all the commentary on social media about Happy Gilmore and where it sits in uh, the greatest sports films of all time. Tom is in Seaford. He's got one for us. Welcome to you, Tommy. What's your favourite sporting film? Well, Kane, I did a film buff at uni, and I'm old enough, I'm a bit older than you, to remember, and just a quick chat about the impact of Rocky when it first came out. Oh. 19, 1976, American Bicentennial. So Sylvester Stallone's got about a few hundred bucks in his pocket. The film was up against all the president's men, uh, Robert Redford and um, Paul Newman. Bound for Glory Network, Taxi Driver, they are all brilliant films. Mm -hmm. Rocky, the impact of Rocky in that year, in 76, 77, was absolutely breathtaking. The, the, the film music is unforgettable, it's gone into the psyche. Uh, but it was like watching, sitting in the theatre watching a documentary. It was so well acted with Burgess, Meredith, Carl Weathers. It, it seems to be the pinnacle, but, you know, four years later, you know, you've got A Chariot of Fire, 1981, an absolutely stunning film up against other great films. Uh, another great comedy of 77 was Slapshot with Paul Newman, which is yep. a, sort of a light-hearted ice hockey. But, you know, it, it, I suppose what, where Stallone comes from nowhere and produces a masterpiece, you could probably say the films after that went into a little bit later on as a bit of a, you know, a, a, a parody of themselves. But mm. to, to produce that quality... And I don't know if anyone can remember the impact, and we're talking the Star Wars era. It was breathtaking in its, uh, in its, in its uh, impact. It was what I would like to say is probably the pinnacle of sports movies, but also how it comes across so authentic. Well explained, Tom, and you are clearly a movie buff, which I love. Um, massive impact on my childhood as well, Rocky. So then they went on to make it a franchise, clearly. Rocky 1, 2, 3... Four. They probably should have stopped at four. I know. I know, I know they went to five and six, and then there's spin-offs. Creed, which has been released recently, and some others. Creed's actually not too bad, but Rocky Four is my favourite. I know Rocky One 
for film buffs like you, Tom, was the best of the lot, and it was critically acclaimed, but, gee, I love Rocky IV. Oh, my goodness. That's also on the podium for me. Brad is in Point Cook. He wants to continue the discussion. G'day to you, Brad. G'day, Kane. How are you, mate? Good, thanks. Mate, just a, a funny side of Adam Sandler and Happy Gilmore. It was uh, 25 years ago. We were supposed to play in a cricket final on a Saturday. I went out with the boys after school on a Thursday on the first tee decided to do a Happy Gilmore. It had been raining, slipped, broke my wrist and couldn't play the cricket final. We got done. So my coach hates, hates, hated Happy Gilmore on that show for the next God knows how many years. Didn't lose a game all year. I was hoping batsman broke the wrist on the Thursday and couldn't play. Oh, and because you didn't play, Brad, they lost. Oh, man, I wouldn't say that. But I wouldn't say that, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you, you pretty much did. Brad, Brad, happy with his own work. Missed the cricket grand final because of an injury as a result of Happy Gilmore. Get involved this morning. We are having a bit of fun. Don't forget as well, uh, this is your sporting life. And Sunday from 10, Sam Edmund is going to speak to one of the greats and one of the most likeable athletes that we've ever had in Australia. That's Pat Rafter. Thanks to our good friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. Time now for the 10.30 News Update with Meredith Gibbs. Oh, how good. Uh, a lot of you loving the sports movie theme this morning on the back of uh, Happy Gilmore 25 years since that was released and Adam Sandler doing some of his best ever work on social media. And has anyone not tried the Happy Gilmore golf swing? I reckon anyone who's ever been down to a golfing driving range or on the course has tried the Happy Gilmore. Kane, the best sports movie, remember the Titans, but my boys also enjoyed Gridiron Gang. The best sports movie ever is Slapshot, the ice hockey movie starring Paul Newman, says Tim. We're getting a few nominations for that one. Matt says Kane, the Mighty Ducks, has to be the best sporting film of all time. It's up there, particularly um, if you saw it when you were a kid. I loved that that movie um, and a lot of others coming through a lot of love for Rocky this morning as well 0433981116 if you want to get involved and send us a text Brett's on the line hello to you Brett Rocky one of your favourites yeah Kane I remember as a, I was up holidaying in Mildura my dad uh, took us to the drive-in and I didn't know what Rocky was but I've sat there <laughs> trans for the next two hours and just absolutely I've watched it that many times ridiculous that story that he wrote Stallone based that on a boxer that fought Muhammad Ali and took him I think he actually might have even knocked him down at one stage probably one of the few boxers that ever did and that's where the story came from right? um, yeah I saw it in a documentary I think it was either on Muhammad Ali or the background to the movie itself but uh, that's what I believe that's where the story came from um, right, I think just a quick uh, quick Google search would tell me that boxer's name is Chuck Wepner was widely seen as the boxer who inspired the Rocky film. So there yeah, you go. Underrated Chuck. and not expected to have a crack at him and ended up taking him, I think, to the 10th round maybe. Right. So um, the other one is Field of Dreams. Build it and they will come. Oh, oh, to be fair, I've got to have an admission here. I don't think I've ever seen Field of Dreams, Brett, so I might have to do that over the weekend. Are you recommending it? Mate, well, it's, it's brilliant, absolutely right. brilliant. Field of Dreams, good on you, mate. We are speaking sports movies this morning, but you can also take it in any direction that you like. We'll get to Tony and Gary very, very shortly. But in the meantime, Cal Toomey, the guru from afl.com.au, been doing some of his best work, joins us this morning. Cal, thanks for your time.
Hey, Kane. How are you, mate? I, I would say uh, Draft Day is my favourite movie, probably That's in line a... with what I like in terms of the sports movies. Yes. It's, it's, there's some flaws in that movie, but on the whole, <laughs> a very enjoyable experience. I'm not, not sure how he forces the opposition to give up as much as he does, Kevin Costner's character, but great movie. The other one as well is Moneyball, which I'm sure you'd be a fan of as well, knowing the way that you're wired. Cam, are you been heading around the place and having a look at a few clubs, including Hawthorne? You were there for their intra-club match yesterday. I'm fascinated by the Hawks. Uh, it's going to be a really challenging year for them. How'd they look? Yeah, I'm with you. I think it will be a challenging year for them, but they, I guess the, the eyes are on their youth and what they can do and what they can bring forward and and what we can see. And Yeah, I liked some elements of what I saw yesterday out on the track. They played a full-scale intra-club and uh, off the new faces, Tom Phillips was excellent. I obviously got him at a bargain last year during the trade period and you know, obviously Collingwood offloaded his salary and just took a late pick in exchange. But he was excellent and I expect to see him more as an inside midfielder throughout 2021. Right. We've seen him on the wing uh, so much. We know his running capacity. He's been the time trial king at the Pies and Hawks already, but... Yeah, he's built up his body, and I think we see more as an inside player, particularly with some uncertainty around Tom Mitchell early in the season as he battles that shoulder injury. So he was definitely a good face for them. And some of the younger guys, Connor Downey, uh, their next-generation academy player, he did start on the wing and was excellent in the, the A team, I guess you'd call it, as they split the sides up, and he looks likely to, to play early in the year, I think, for a debut there. Denver Granger Barras, the key back who we know was such an early pick last year in the draft, uh, he played in the B team, so I'm not sure if we see him straight away. They do have some defensive cover already, but uh, certainly someone to look for. All right, mate. Well, that's, that's a good update. They tell me that Chad Wingard's been flying. Was that the case? Yeah, he was good early, and then he sat out the latter stages of the uh, of the game with some tightness and, and just to be managed, as did Will Day. So that was just some management from, from them, and there wasn't too many concerns around them. Obviously, we know what happened with Ben Patton yesterday at St Kilda, and yeah. with these intra-clubs, as you'd know, Kane, there's always a level of concern about going mm. too hard, and you don't want to be the one who goes down with an injury. There was a scare yesterday with Jack Scrimshaw, who came off with a knee injury, and I guess there was some concern, given his injury history throughout both clubs, the Gold Coast and the Hawks, but Fortunately for him, just a just a, uh, a tweak of the knee and a, a bit of a jar. So basically, the main injury concerns for the Hawks are Sicily with the knee. We know he'll miss all of this year, basically, and, and Jack Gunston as well. We're not sure exactly when he'll be back from that back surgery last year. And Mitchell yeah. too. Yeah. What What's the latest with Tom Mitchell? He didn't play yesterday either. No, he didn't play. He was actually part of the, I guess, pseudo coaching panel that took after uh, looked after the, the the quarter time break. So he's heavily involved and. Heavily involved in picking the squads as well. But, look, it's touch and go for him at the start of the year, that sort of level, but not sure if we'll see him round one or two. Hey, I also enjoyed your um, article on the AFL website. I think there may be some movement in the coaching ranks this year, and it's, I mean, it's as you know, it's tough to speculate on because you're speculating on, on people's jobs, which you don't like to do. But such is the nature of the industry. We're always looking for the next coaches, which you've which you've done. Uh, who is in line for a senior coaching opportunity, do you think? Yeah, this week on AFL.com.au, we went through uh, a couple of the candidates, Mitch Cleary and Nathan Schmook as well. And Look, a couple of the guys that stand out are the, the assistants that have changed clubs recently, and one of them is Daniel Jansen, accuser, who has been poached basically by the Bombers to go and help uh, Ben Rutten's coaching panel, having put together a really good CV at the Western Bulldogs. He's coached the VFL side, Footscray there. He was the AFL Coaches Association's Assistant of the Year last year and 
certainly, from everything I understand, has added real craft already to what the Bombers uh, have done over this preseason. So I've really mm. focused on the skill level, which has been a big part of the, you know, the handball club that we know so much about at the Bulldogs. So he's one to keep an eye out for. Also, Adam Uze has got high wraps. Uh, we know he's, he's spent a lot of time under Clarko at Hawthorne, but just recently has, has switched back to his old club, so I returned to the Demons, and there's some excitement around him. Nigel Lappin is, is considered a mm. bit of a dark horse in this race. Uh, as Mitch Cleary wrote this week, he's a bit understated. That's what he was like as a player too, but certainly really highly valued at the Cats and has spent a lot of time there too uh, working on his um, CV. We threw a couple of other ones in, uh, Kane, who may follow a different sort of path. We know that David Noble has forged a new path and followed the path followed by uh, Chris Fagan going from yeah. footy manager into senior coaching. Could Danny Daly do that? He's the new football manager at Brisbane taking over the reins from David Noble, but certainly has uh, some real coaching uh, history and background and a great CV there too, having worked with North Melbourne and Richmond before joining the Lions. So there's a few names. Scotty Burns at Adelaide, they're pretty impressed by what he's brought over Mm. uh, in recent times. Robert Harvey's been interviewed for a few jobs across his time too, uh, a long-term Collingwood assistant. So there's some real stocks out there and I think that, as you say, there's going to be some pressure on some coaches this year, even the guys who aren't out of contract. Um, You know, Nathan Buckley's out of contract this year. There's no rush to... Uh, from the Pies' perspective, lock him down. Damien Hardy, we know, will we'll re-sign with the Tigers in due course. But off the group next year, uh, Stewie Jews out of contract at the end of 2022 at the Suns. Melbourne, um, mm. Simon Goodwin comes out of contract too. And, and obviously, Alistair Clarkson is a big one too. But I think most people would expect that Sam Mitchell would be the obvious target whenever Clarko does move on from the Hawks. Yeah, how involved was Sam Mitchell yesterday? He seems to be running a lot of the training so far from just the vision that I've seen. Very, yeah, very, yeah. very involved. Has mm. the earpiece in, uh, was running back and forth from, I guess, the higher vantage point where they could see the real game unfolding in there at Waverley Park and getting down to the bench uh, at different stages too. So we know that he'll look after the Box Hill Hawks program this year and already... I think has made a real impact on some of the younger players being a part of that. So that's the next phase of his coaching development and he'd expect that uh, with that sort of uh, experience under his belt that he'd be primed to take over uh, whenever that due date does come for Clark Owen. Look, it might depend on how the Hawks go this year, whether that announcement is brought forward, if there's a, a more official succession plan. We know succession plans haven't been overly successful across the time and, and there's recent examples of that too. So we wait and see if that's officially done or just more uh, a bit of a handshake agreement behind the closed doors. Outstanding, mate. We appreciate the update. No worries, Kane. Have a good day. AFL.com.au's Kautumi giving us um, all things Hawthorne and the landscape of potentially who's putting their hand up for a senior coaching job in the near future. If you've got a suggestion, let us know. So many texts coming through this morning. Um, it's just gone ballistic on sports movies. G'day again, Kane. Up, up, air up there. Sorry, I'll spit that out with Kevin Bacon. Blue chips with Shaq and Penny Hardaway. I'm joking. They're terrible. But can you give me a shout out? Says Dan. Hello to you, Dan. All the way from Tassie. G'day, Kane. Cool runnings. Amazing. Movie. Love cool runnings. Oh, geez, you're we're reminiscing here this morning because I like this one as well from Theo. Days of Thunder. Early Nicole Kidman, early Tom Cruise. Days of Thunder. Great sports movie. What's your favourite? Let us know. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 is the number. Speaking of the NBA, we're going to head to LA 
on the other side of this and speak to our man, Trevor Lane, from LA. All things Lakers, all things NBA, as the season hits an interesting point. He'll join us next. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. You'll get to all of your texts and take some of your calls very, very shortly, but there's an exciting concept happening in the NBA. The NBL Cup kicks off tomorrow, and a key part of it is going to be our next guest, Vince Crivelli, good friend of the show, CEO of Melbourne United, who are absolutely flying, haven't lost yet. We'll get to that shortly. He joins us. Vince, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me, Kane. Good to be on. I'm sure there were some nervous moments, but thankfully, Victoria is open, which means we can hold this NBL Cup where it was scheduled to be held. How have the last week or so been for you? Yeah, it's been a fun, fun time. Uh, not, not, not really. Uh, but mm. look, we're riding, we're riding the waves and, and the emotion of what's happening in Victoria. Um, you know, as, as a sports business, um, like every other business, you know, we're reacting daily and we're doing the best that we can on a, on a daily basis to make the best decisions. Um, and I'm really excited about the fact that we can proceed with the cup and and put a really great showcase of what this sport and this league is all about here in the best uh, best city in Australia, mate. Looking forward to so, it. Yeah, well, as we all are. So for those that aren't aware, um, what's going to be? A whole host of games in a short, short space of time, but it will make up part of the season. It absolutely makes up part of the season. So it's a, um, a league within a league. Um, so each team will be playing an additional eight games. Um, all of those eight games count towards the finals at the end of the season but within those eight games is its own separate ladder and there's a, pr- a prize money um, on offer for the teams um, as an extra added little incentive to to, um, to to take the cup um, to another level and I, I think it's a really great initiative if we look around the world in basketball and even in even in soccer or football as it's known more, more widely um, there are leagues and then there are leagues within the leagues and they become really exciting for fans um, and, and a great opportunity to showcase um, sport the sport across um, borders. And so I think the NBL Cup initiative has the opportunity to grow and expand similar to what we might know as EuroLeague or Champions League and other codes around the world. Uh, it's a real exciting initiative. I love it. And we, I, mean, I guess we saw a little taste of it with the AFL last year. A lot of games in a short space of time, shortened games, shortened time between games. And I thought it was received pretty well in challenging times. But you've got some making up to do. You've only played six games. I mentioned you haven't lost. You've got eight games in three weeks for your boys. Will that present a challenge? And are you prepared for it? Well, I think we're as prepared as we can be. We, we've had a few injuries um, that... Um, we we uh, unfort- have un- that are unfortunately timed. So you know we had Chris Golding um, with a calf strain two weeks ago. So he's two weeks into a recovery, and we're hoping that Chris will be back uh, in the next two weeks. And and Shaley with a nasty ankle sprain against the Hawks two weeks ago, and and again he's uh, probably a week to two weeks away. Mm. Um, so aside from a couple of key injuries, um, we're as prepared as we can be. And you know what I'm really pleased about is the effort and the the way that our players have really just taken on the challenges they had every excuse to probably fall away against um, the Hawks but they just didn't give up Um, other players stepped up and that's what this team's been built to do and that is it's quite a deep and balanced roster 
and it can compete all the way down to its last spot on the in the, in the rotation. And so far, I'm, I'm really pleased with the effort um, and the process that we're going through on a daily basis when it comes to performance. Uh, you get a good look at your home arena. I'm pretty sure last time we spoke, you hadn't played there yet. You went to Bendigo and played, but John Kane Arena, what's for fans that uh, want to come along, and we'll get to details on tickets shortly, but what's the capacity and is there mass? You know, what sort of rules will they be under? Yeah, look, we're at, we're at, um, we're at the same rules as everybody else when it comes to masks. Um, we are at 50% capacity, so there'll be mm-hmm. roughly 5,000 people allowed into the to John Kane Arena. Um, and I know we talk about ticketing, but it's a, a really um, great initiative by the league that it's in the grandstand. It's a $10 ticket, um, flat rate. Um, yeah. and, and to put this in perspective, that's $10 to watch two games, not, not just to watch one. And you can come at any time, uh, a bit like buying a, a pass at the tennis and um, you come around, come sit in your seats and enjoy two games of, of really unbelievable level basketball, the best in the Southern Hemisphere by a long way. Um, and just come and watch all these great players, great teams come together and compete for what will be an amazing um, amazing um, tournament um, for $10 a seat. I absolutely can't wait. Um, I'm waiting for someone to knock you off, but um, I'm not sure that's even going to happen, whether you might go undefeated or not. Early days, I know. The next three weeks will be telling, mate. We always appreciate your time. Um, Good luck for it and hope it goes well. Good on you. Thanks, Kane. Bye, mate. 18 double-headers at John Kane Arena and the State Basketball Centre with fans able to enjoy two games, as you just heard, world-class basketball. It's a great competition. I love it. I can't speak highly enough of the NBL and the work that they're doing. And also, if you're in your car, if you're driving, you're at your home, you can hear all the games of the NBL Cup live on SEN. So the team, um, led by Corey Homicide-Williams, will lead the call from 2pm Eastern tomorrow. And tickets for the NBL Cup can be purchased, nblcup.com.au. $10, it's like the old drive-in movie theatre where you pay for your ticket and you get to see two movies, not one. Drive-ins, how good were they? Hide your mates in the back seat of the car. Um, They were the good old days. Looking forward to doing this, though. It's time for Over and Under. It's time to play Overs and Unders with Kane Corns for Tampa, a mattress like no other. With Kane Corns and help with Johnny, the legendary panel man, what's he got for me today? Let's start with question number one. I think that the, the biggest challenge here is not physical, your biggest challenge is mental. Since I've turned 30, you've always had those doubts, like the game's won't pass yet. Those doubts in your head... Uh, Always trying to take it away because I love playing footy. Amazon released a snippet of exit meetings with Carlton's Eddie Betts where the club questioned his form. Betts will kick just 10 goals this year, over or under. Yeah, it's harsh on Eddie. 13 goals last year, some injuries for Eddie. I'm going to go the over. I think he'll kick more than 10, but I don't expect... Eddie Betts to have a massive impact. Cannot wait for that, making their Mark documentary, though. And well done to Carlton and Eddie for participating in it, giving the fans an outstanding insight. What's next? It's the miracle in Melbourne. The Djokovic dynasty down under is still intact. It's an eighth Australian Open. It's been 43 years since an Australian has won the Australian Open. It will be another five years to break that drought. Over or under? 
Five years. Well, our only hope's Barty. I mean, I don't reckon Kyrgios can win it. I'm not sure he's capable of going seven games in the Australian heat with, with what he's produced so far. So Barty's our only hope. Can she win it in the next five years? Yes, she can. Will she? No, I don't think she will. I think she's going to struggle with the pressure of their home slam as we saw during this week. So I'm going to go the under. What's number three? Jamari Hagen is the best player in this year's NAB AFL draft. At 195 centimetres, he moves like a midfielder, clocking up 2.89 seconds in the 20-metre sprint at the recent NAB AFL draft combine. But also, the tall forward has garnered comparisons to Lance Franklin, and it's easy to see why with that raking left foot, his special ability around goal, and capacity to dominate games from inside 50. Kane, Lance Franklin kicked 21 goals from 20 games in his first season at Hawthorne. Western Bulldogs' new recruit, Jamara Hagen has been compared to Buddy. He will kick 20 goals in his first season at the Dogs. Over or under? Well, 20 would be a great result for the Western Bulldogs and Jamara Hagen. He's, he's a goal-a-game player, isn't he? Even at AFL level, he's a goal-a-game. So he's going to have to play basically every game... I think he'll probably go at one and a half goals a game in his first year, but I don't think he's going to get to 20 games. So 20 goals, I'm going to take the under, but he's exciting if he gets anywhere near Buddy Franklin. Thanks, Johnny. We've got two more. What's number four? Four seconds left. He's just going to hold it here, Shaley, and that will be it. Throwdown number one of the NBL 21 season goes the way of Melbourne United at the Bendigo Basketball Stadium. United win 96 to 90. There are 34 scheduled NBL games this season. After six games, Melbourne United are undefeated. They will lose only five games this year. Over or under? You know what? We just spoke to Vince. Crivelli, their CEO, quietly confident. Clearly, they got the best roster in the competition. Frightening what they've done so far. I, I, th- I think they lose three. I'm going to say three. So I'm going to go um, the under. I don't think they get to five losses. I think they win it all comfortably. The next three weeks will be telling. But I'm going to take the under, Johnny. What's the last one? Smart little Waterman soccer's it on, and the cross was good to Rioli. The lovely step once, twice. You can't lay a finger in. It's been 225 days since Willie Rioli played an AFL game. It'll be another 50 days until Asada hands down its finding into his case. Over or under? No, I think it's been 533 days there. And speaking to Richard Ings this morning gave me no confidence whatsoever that they are anywhere near a resolution to Willie Rioli and them handing down their findings. So this one I'm very, very confidently going to take the over. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. You can have your say on any of that. As always, get involved in the show. We've got great prizes to give away for the callers of the morning, which we'll do shortly. But it's time now for an update from Paul Sebastiani from Bet Deluxe. Bet Deluxe. Serious betting for serious punters. Betdeluxe.com.au. Gamble responsibly. Bet Deluxe, Australian-owned and operated gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Paul Sebastiani, g'day to you again, Paul. Morning, Kane. How are you? I'm very well, mate. Hey, the Australian Open's getting towards the business end and it would be a brave person to back against Novak. What do you got for me? 
Indeed, yeah. Well, we've got uh, Daniil Medvedev and uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas going uh, head-to-head in the uh, men's single semi-final tonight. Two book a spot against uh, Novak. Daniil Medvedev has uh, been the best back with betthelux.com.au. He's $1.39 and uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas, the outsider in that one, at $2.85. And then it's the, uh, the women's final t- tomorrow. Mm. Naomi Osaka, $1.20 favourite. And Jennifer Brady, the, the outsider in that one, at uh, $4.23, uh, Kane. So, uh Market siding with Medvedev and Osaka in the women's final. And you can see why. Uh, what about some racing tomorrow, big day at Caulfield? Yeah, huge day at Caulfield. Group 1 racing, the uh, Blue Diamond over 1,200 metres for the two-year-old. Empire, the favourite, $2.40. But there's been good each-way money for uh, Saddlecloth number one, General Bow. Round $10 into $5.50 is going to be very hard to beat too. And then we've got the Group 1 Futurity Stakes from Caulfield too. Favourite in that one, Behemoth, at $3.20. But good money for Probabil as well at around the $3.80 quote, Kate. So plenty on offer at uh, betdeluxe.com.au. Big week, big week in a Group 1 racing as well, Kane. Check him out. Bet Deluxe, the best in the business. Paul Sebastiani joins us weekly. Good on you, Paul. Thanks for the update, mate. And if you are serious about your betting... Bet Deluxe, serious betting for serious punters. Betdeluxe.com.au. As we always say, gamble responsibly. That number is 1-800-858-858. Check out the Oz Open Market and the racing at Caulfield tomorrow. Join Zap Fitness today for memberships from $9.99 per week, plus two weeks free on select memberships. Hurry ends February 21. Visit zapfitness.com.au. Breakfast with Gary Lyon and Tim Watson. Andy Lee's going to join us. I actually stayed up and watched the IPL auction last night, and Beck watched it with me. That's how romantic things get. But I was keeping an eye on my mate Dan Christian, who ended up getting picked up at around about quarter past one or something. That's for, I think, for a, a lazy 850000 So that's, that's that's pretty nice for an old timer. Anytime fitness. Make healthy happen your way. Buy Blunston's for a chance to win 150k. Back Monday from 6. As part of Victoria's big build, we're upgrading the Sunbury line. Major track, power and station platform upgrades will allow bigger, more modern trains to run on the line. As we bring the pieces together, Buses replace trains between Flagstaff, North Melbourne and Sunbury at various times from the 26th of February to the 10th of March. Find out if you're affected at bigbuild.vic.gov.au. Absolute business end of the Australian Open. Novak waiting for Medvedev or Sitsipas, Asaka and Brady through to the final of on the women's side. And one man who's been covering it extensively and doing a sensational job. Someone we know pretty well. Mark McGowan is his name from the Herald Sun. He's at the tennis and he joins us. Mark, thanks for your time, mate. No problems at all, Kane. Thanks for having me. What's it been like? I mean, a bit of a change for you. You obviously uh, invested heavily in the AFL as well and covered that for a good portion of your life. Switching gears and, and focusing on the tennis, how have you enjoyed it? Yeah, it's been really good. Like I've, I've had a, a pretty extensive tennis background in the past, but mm. as you said, uh, the past four years I've focused only on the AFL, but certainly been a, the right Australian Open to jump back into it. It's been a, a pretty frenetic period, uh, probably not even the last two weeks, probably going back probably a couple of months now where it's just been daily news. Obviously, COVID affected everyone, but uh, probably no more than the, the tennis. I know you were uh, just on your Twitter uh, amazed by what Osaka did to Serena yesterday, mm. and you said that 
You don't see a scenario where she doesn't end up with double-digit Grand Slam victory. She's chasing her fourth, I reckon it is, and undefeated in in finals, I think, is the stat. W- where does she rank amongst the best ever? Yeah, look, it's it's obviously too early to, to mm. say where she's going to rank you know, all time, but right now, I think women's tennis has been waiting a long time for someone to really grab hold of whether it's the, the face of women's tennis or just the successor to Serena. Um, and there's been several that have been in that contention um, that have won one, two slams. Um, but Naomi's now really grabbing hold of it and, and, and letting everyone know that, that she is the heir apparent. And, and beyond that now, she's, she's, the torch has been taken from Serena. I think we that was pretty well established yesterday. Um, straight sets win. And Naomi, if she wins the fourth, um, she's already stepping into pretty uh, pretty rare, rarefied air. So... Naomi, I think, over the next decade, is going to rack up Grand Slam titles, and, and who knows where we're going to see her land uh, once she's said and done. I'm interested in her character. Um, she's unique, uh, global appeal, massive brands, probably the biggest uh, female sports star in the world currently. Certainly her bank account would say that. But I'm not sure whether she's likeable or not. I, I can't put my finger on it. Can you shed any light on what sort of a person she is? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like, as you said, she, she does have mass appeal. And tennis, from a, a women's perspective, is probably the, the best sport to have a, a massive platform. And she, she is a unique personality. There's no doubt about that. She, she can be a little bit awkward at times. Mm. Um, and, that, and that probably isn't everyone's cup of tea. But I think to that younger generation, she's exactly what they're looking for. She's, you know, she's got the big game, the exciting game, hits winners. So she's appealing from that side of things. And, and off court, um, you know, she, she's trying to make a difference. Um, and I think I think that's really part of her appeal. She's she knows she's can make a difference, and she's going out of her way to do it. We saw last year with the, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, she's very keen to make a difference there. She's done some really big interviews. She's made a difference on court by you know, wearing uh, different things, uh, knowing that it was going to be picked up by the media. Um, she's very clever. Um, but as you said, she's probably not everyone's cup of tea. But I, mm. I think she's uh, she's in the end. It's, it's all about the young, the young people when it comes to sport, and she's certainly got them uh, got their attention. And, and she's going to be a, a mega star for a very long time. It wasn't that long ago where we thought twenty four for Serena, she just waltzed in, just just a breeze, mm. and you know twenty six, twenty seven, probably realistic. Twenty four seems a mile away now. Firstly, do you think? she can get there and will we ever see her back in Australia again? Yeah, this is obviously the, the question everyone's trying to answer now. Um, it's been a lot analysed about yesterday the, the extended time she took to come off the court and look, I'm one that's wary to, to make these calls because we've seen mm. someone like Roger Federer you know, wave every time he leaves and everyone wonders, is, is that it? Are we, never, are we ever going to see this guy again? I think we know at age 39 there's a very strong chance that we don't see her again. There's no doubt about that but the tennis she's still playing, yes, 24 does seem a long way away um, because we're now four years separated from her last Grand Slam title, which was at the 2017 Australian Open. But the facts remain, she continues to put herself in position, whether it's playing in the final, making the semifinals. So you just think she's, she's a factor on every single surface. Um, and for me, there is still a very strong chance she gets there. Wimbledon, for me, stands out. I think that's the tournament where she can... Um, really jump through. We touched on Naomi Saka only a little bit ago. She tends to perform a lot, a lot better on hard courts. So the clay and the grass court isn't necessarily her go at this stage. So maybe that's where Serena can sneak in. 
because Osaka seems to be the one that, that really has Serena's measure at this stage. So Serena can get on a roll, get that serve cranking um, on the grass in Wimbledon. Um, I think that's uh, that's a really good chance for her. So Djokovic is waiting for tonight's game. I love Sitsipas' tournament. I mean, his, his comeback against Nadal was absolutely epic, as, as good as you've seen. But Novak just appears the far superior tennis player on this planet. He's unbelievable. Can anyone touch him? Yeah, look, he was my pre-tournament tip, and that's not even mm. someone going out on a limb. Mm. Um, he's just a... When it comes to Melbourne Park, he, he has an absolute love affair here. And look, we all saw what happened in round three. There's no doubt he had some sort of injury. I think it's it's pretty hard to believe right now that, that it was a tear of the, the abdominal muscle. Um, I just don't think it's possible for him to have bounced back the way he has if that was the actual injury. But yeah. he, he's certainly improving match by match. There's no doubt there's some sort of injury there. But last night, if I didn't know there was, there wasn't any, there was an injury, I, I wouldn't have even thought he was injured. He was moving great again. He was stretching out wide to that forehand, which is where he seemed to be having the issues. Um, and that that certainly was his best match of the tournament. On the other hand, we've got a, a cracking semi-final tonight. Sissipas, yeah. Medvedev. Great, you know, they're obviously key members of this next gen that's constantly talked about, but they're starting to arrive finally. And a little bit of spice between these two as well. They've got a really colourful history. They, they don't necessarily like each other. They've had a few on court incidences. They've, they've had a crack at each other uh, off court as well. Um, so I think it's going to be really good. And both those guys have beaten Novak multiple times. So I think Medvedev is probably the best chance out of the two. But as we've just seen, you touched on it yourself. He sits at Bass's effort to come from two sets down and and beat Rafael Nadal, um, I think that, that proves his legitimacy. And he's beaten all of the top guys. So um, it's just a matter of when these guys break through. And uh, this might be their chance, but uh, after what I saw from Novak last night, um, he'd be a pretty bold man to tip against him. Nothing better than a single-handed backhand. And since it passes, is a thing <laughs> of absolute beauty. Um, before we let you go, I can't leave without you having a say on Ash Barty. Um, who would have seen that coming? Absolutely cruising through to the semis and mm. almost had a Sam Stoza-style Australian Open meltdown. Um, are we any closer to working out what went on with, with Ash? No, it's it's a perplexing one. Um, look, there was obviously a lot of attention placed on the, the medical timeout, and I understand why, because that seems to be when um, the momentum really shifted and it, and it went for 10 minutes plus, so... That's certainly a talking point. But for me, I'd seen over the previous sort of two, three weeks, she was having these mid-match lapses and she was getting away with it. Um, she was always managing to bounce back. You know, she, going back to even round two, Dari Gavrilova, her countrywoman, she was 6-1, you 5-2 know, up and ended up having to win it in a tie-break. So it was coming. And at some point, she had to address these, these mid-match lapses. And at some point, she wasn't going to recover because as you get deeper into the tournament, you're playing better opposition um, and on this occasion, she simply didn't play well enough. Um, I think from that point of leading to love in the second set, um, she had 13 winners and 30 unforced errors. Um, you're not winning too many matches in, in, you know, late in a tournament when you're playing like that. So I think ultimately it wasn't about the MTO, and it was just that Ash wasn't good enough. Um, and we saw that in the semi-final last year. She put herself in strong position. She's made three times to the quarter-final or beyond the last three years, but... Obviously, we're all pretty desperate to see that 43-year drought end, and, and we thought Ash was going to get it done. So, unfortunately, for another year, um, it doesn't happen. We'll wait. We'll wait. She's uh, not done with yet, Ash. She's so young still, which is unbelievable. 24, I think I, I saw what she is. So, she's got a good 10 years left. Hey, just off the text before we go, Mark, someone wants to know if you're heading to Arden Street to have a look at North's intra-club match. 
Oh, won't they? I won't be. I'll, uh, I'll be focused on the tennis for the moment. But next week, yeah. right back into footy mode. So I'm um, looking forward to that. But uh, tennis is the priority for another few days yet. Good on you, mate. Loving your work. You can check it out on the Herald Sun. Also follow him on Twitter as well. Not the premier of WA, Mark McGowan. By Mark McGowan is his Twitter handle. Thanks for your time, mate. We'll catch up soon. Good on you, Kane. Thank you. There you have it. That was the update for the Australian Open. Thanks to Kia. It is open season at Kia with match-winning deals across... Sorry, with match-winning deals and Australia's best seven-year warranty across the range. Quiz time, one three hundred seven three six. 736 line up Blundstones to give away this morning from the winner of the quiz. I don't even know what the theme is. Shortly, it's a secret. We'll reveal all, but if you want to have your say, line up now and play along. Back shortly. Yeah, we'll get to the quiz shortly. Andrew, Dean, Mark, Daniel, Peter and Brett all lining up, ready to go. But some breaking news out of Richmond as we welcome in Sammy Edmund back to the show. Sammy, what's happened? Good morning, Kane. Well, the Richmond star, Dion Prestia, suffered a hamstring injury. And you'd have to say now, given it's February 19, as we were saying earlier, we're in that awkward zone, aren't we? Look set to miss the start of the season as a result. So expected at this stage to be sold on for three to four weeks, a typical hamstring strain, if you like. So he'd be an unlikely starter for March 18 against Carlton at the MCG. Possibly first match in Melbourne with fans since the 2019 Grand Final. And the Tigers came obviously set to unfurl two Premiership flags against their arch rivals as well. But they've had a good run with injury, Richmond, as opposed to many mm. sides who have struggled in this condensed pre-season. But this is a frustrating setback for, for Dion Prestia, whose uh, 2019 campaign, of course, was hit by a nasty syndesmosis injury that kept him out for the better part of three months, albeit he did come back and play some fantastic uh, football in finals time and kick two goals in the, in the grand final against Geelong for his third Premiership medal. But a nasty little hammy nick uh, is going to keep him out for round one, it would appear. No doubt. Hey, great stuff, mate. Unfortunate news out of Richmond. I cannot believe the uh, injury carnage throughout this preseason. It seems to be a lot more significant than what it has been. Uh, in previous years, Dion, of course, had a history, particularly as a junior, with soft tissue injuries as well, particularly, sorry, and relating to his hammy. Sammy Edmund with the breaking news repeating Dion Prestia has suffered a hamstring injury out of Richmond, placing his round one prospects uh, in jeopardy. Let's get to the quiz. Now, it's time for Chad's Brothers Quiz. IPL, Indian Premier League-themed quiz this morning. The auction was on last night, so it is topical. Andrew's in sunshine. He's going to kick us off up for grabs, a pair of Blundstone boots and a double pass to the Blue Diamond Stakes. Andrew, welcome. Kane, how are you? I'm well. Uh, it be better if you can go straight through. And just uh, knock this quiz off. How many Aussies were picked up in the IPL last night? Did I hear 11? If you did, it was wrong. Thank you to you, Andrew. Let's go to Dean in Elwood. G'day, Dino. G'day, Kane. Gee, the, the quiz is hard. It's like Chad's rig. It's every week. <laughs> um... Is it nine? Wasn't nine, Dean. I'm sorry about that. So let's go to Mark in Mooney Ponds. G'day, Mark. G'day, Kane. Jeez, I, I feel, mate, I, I don't reckon you're going to make 12 o'clock news on, on IPL. Well, it's just what we do. We, we think what's topical, what's been significant. A couple of Aussies became instant millionaires. 
How many of them were auctioned successfully last night? I'll have a guess at eight. That guess would be correct. All right, you should know this one. How much was Glenn Maxwell sold for in Aussie dollars? Round it up. So round it up to the nearest sort of round figure. Nearest million? I'll say 1.2. That was a bit more than that. Nearest half million we'll take. Let's go to... uh, What are we up to? Peter? I think we got Pete. G'day, Pete, in Point Cook. Hey, mate. Yeah, I think it was 2.48 mil, was it? Yeah, I'll give you that. So let's round it up to 2.5. I would have accepted that as well. Question number three, who was the Aussie that was sold for the least amount? Perhaps a trick question. Uh, Richardson? Something Richardson? Wasn't Jai Richardson. He got himself a nice nearly 2.5 million as well. The Aussie that sold for the least amount, Brett, was... Uh, Bowen Lockwood. <laughs> Bowen Lockwood. What a blast from the past. Absolute legend of a teammate, Bowen Lockwood. Um, his AFL career struck down by a nasty back injury. Could have been anything. Um, so it wasn't Bowen Lockwood. Mick's in, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce that suburb you're in, Mick. But uh, you're playing the quiz. Let's get this done. Question number three. Who was the Aussie that sold for the least amount in the IPL auction last night? Oh, look, I'll try. Coulter Nile, okay. Close. Uh, wasn't Nathan Coulter Nile? Um, start giving away clues shortly. Jason's in Clyde. Good day to you, Jace. Yeah, Kane, how you going? The Aussie that sold for the least amount. We know Maxwell got the most. Who got the least? No idea. Chris Lynn. Wasn't Chris Lynn. Let's keep going because a lot of people want to join in. We'll start giving clues away uh, very shortly. James in Mornington. G'day, Jimmy. Dana, how are you, mate? Who was the Aussie that sold for the least amount in the IPL auction last night? Nathan Lyon. Wasn't. It wasn't Nathan Lyon. Um, Some clues has played for the Sydney Thunder and has played for the Brisbane Heat in the BBL, um, this player. Strikes a good ball, but not known for his batting. There's a couple of clues for you. Luke's in Geelong. G'day, Luke. Uh, g'day, Kano. Is it uh, Ben Cutting? It is Ben Cutting. He went for 133000 which is the least amount of the Aussies, but still handy if you can get it for three months' work. Question number four. Two more for the win to you, Luke, in Geelong. Who's the second most expensive Aussie behind Glenn Maxwell? Uh, Jai Richardson. Was Jai Richardson. And for the win, which South African broke the record for the most expensive sale ever in the IPL? I'd never heard of this bloke until now. Chris Morris. Chris Morris. Well done, Luke. Can you tell me a bit about Chris Morris? All-rounder. No, he's a... I think he's primarily a bowler, but yeah, he's, he's not much good. He's cashed he up, though. Good. Someone thinks he's good because they paid about $2.8 million for him. So Luke's in Geelong. He's won the quiz. That was a reasonable effort to get there. Bit difficult. Pair of Blundstones for you, mate. Double pass to the Blue Diamond Stakes for the winner of Chad's Brothers Quiz this morning. Um, Chris, Spots, Chris Scott, I should say. Heard a little bit um, more from him 
about his messaging to the, the younger players at Geelong. There's not a lot of young players, seems that they're the oldest list in the competition. But have a listen to Chris. He spoke to the Your Coach podcast on afl.com.au. Yeah, well, the unfortunate reality, if you want to look at it that way, um, for those guys, is that the, the team became a little bit more difficult to break into. Um, and that's not something that the football club or the coaching staff should apologise for. Um, but we, we're not in the business of um, weakening the team um, so we can give opportunities to players who might be sort of 25 to 35 on our list. Uh, the path for those guys you mentioned and others to get into the team is really clear. Um, we, we've always felt that we pick a team um, meritocratically um, with a slight bias towards younger players. Uh, so that's the slight advantage that they have. If it's a 50-50 call between the 21-year-old and the 29-year-old or 31-year-old, um, we, we have a history, a very strong history of going with the younger ones. So um, I think those, those, you know, those two standards in the team towards the end of the year, and, and Jordan's only coming into his third year, so... Um, yeah, th- those guys have a very, very clear pathway into our best team. There you go. Chris Scott speaking to the AFL guys. Mitch Cleary, text coming through, 433 Last week I told you that my coffee machine broke down and it was it was a really sad day. And I asked you what appliance had been really good to you or something you've owned for a long time that didn't let you down. Well, mine was a coffee machine. Dave in Sydney wants an update. I've got it for you, Dave. I went down to my local, I think it was I think it was Harvey Norman, one of those, good guys, Harvey Norman, JB Hi-Fi, one of them, um, wouldn't have been JB Hi-Fi, and purchased a new coffee machine. It's magnificent. So it's this DeLonghi thing. It cost me about 700 bucks. You know, it wasn't the dearest, but it wasn't the cheapest. Smack bang in the middle. And I nailed it. Uh, Magnificenta or something it's called like that. This isn't sponsored. It's just a, it's just a good machine. So there's the update. And that's why I'm a bit more up and about today than what I was last week. The news just moments ago broken by Sammy Edmund right here. Best in the business, Dion Prestia's done his hammy. Uh, Walshie says it'll be fine for Prestia. The AFL will wait to get a definite date. He'll be back and delay the start of the season to suit the Tigers. Hashtag protected. Um, and this person wants to know, if Naomi wins the Australian Open, will Chompers interview her? I hope so, because we need material. Sunday footy show back on the first Sunday after round one. And we know that he struggled to interview her last time when he asked her how heavy the trophy was and the fact that that didn't go down very well at all. Still plenty of time for you to have your say. We're also just going to hear from uh, Jackson Trengo, former Western Bulldogs player and Port Adelaide Best and Ferris winner. I reckon there'd be some clubs ringing him up. In particular, the Giants. They need a Ruckman. Bruce is out for the season. Who are they going to get? Well, Jacko could pinch hit. I'm going to ask him, have clubs reached out to him and would he consider lacing up the boots and making a comeback? We'll hear from him on the other side of this. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.